Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor. I'm here with Annie, Isis, Corey Thone, and that's it. So let's get right into the cool news. Did I forget somebody? Nope. Not so much as somebody. This is a something. Oh, you bastard of Texas! Come on. What we've got right now is I want I want ISIS to talk about this really quick. It's the Game of Thrones concert. She's been really hyped about it. She's trying to get us all to go to it. So ISIS, you've got the four one one on it. Let us know what's going on. Okay. Uh, well, today was actually pretty exciting. Um, some news came out about the Game of Thrones live concert experience, and Ra- Rahim Rahim. Uh, Jawadi, he actually, I'm the one who is making fun of everybody saying it wrong. But anyway, he um, had a live cast on Facebook talking about the concert, um, what people can, you know, expect to have at the concert. And it sounds absolutely amazing. I wrote an article on Culturist, so if you want to read more or look at the video, you can do it there. Uh, But, I mean, the gist of it was that he talked about, you know, going to 28 different cities, um, that the stage is basically a 360 stage, meaning that it's right in the middle of the con- concert venue, and the the uh, visitors will be surrounded all the way around the entire stage. That's cool. Uh, they'll have a – so, you know, there's not going to be a bad seat in the house. You know, the acoustics are going to be amazing because the musicians will be rotating around, so you'll be hearing the music from all sides. Um, they are going to have a main stage that they're going to be calling King's Landing Stage, and it's right in the middle, and it's a huge LCD, um, you know, monitor, basically, that's going to be streaming – uh, video content, uh, and it's going to you know display a lot of scenery from uh, Game of Thrones and things like that. And then on the side, there are going to be two circular uh, stages, and that's where they're going to have uh, like a full choir and soloists, uh, guest soloists oh playing God, that's awesome. uh, music from Game of Thrones. So it's going to be really interesting. And then uh, what if you watch the video on that's on the article on Culturist, uh, you'll actually get to see how the stage really looks. And they have these, uh, the two circular stages um, have these screens that move up and down, and they call it like a, a wedding cake because it's kind of tiered. And what it does is it really kind of brings the, you know, uh, choir and the orchestra and the soloist really into the show. Because at the end of the day, you're there watching a concert and they're playing you know, beautiful music, but you also want to be entertained visually. Mm-hmm. And sitting there just watching, you know, people play music maybe is not so stimulating to some. So uh, they're going to have tons of inf- uh, images playing all over the place that's going to go with the music. And it's going to be absolutely wonderful. I wish I could co- go where I live. Uh, there's not a concert nearby. Um, yeah, we're not going to Treeport. Well, they're not even going to Dallas, so you know I, I can't That's even. Really bad not going to Dallas. Yeah, and so I can't even get any. I, I can't get any love um, from Game of Thrones. So I'm really hoping to live through somebody else's, um, you know, experience at this concert. Now, one thing he did say, and that I thought was really amazing, was. Um, he was talking about how he loves working with David and Dan uh, from Game of Thrones, and when they brought him on, that he the way he created the main title sequence, um, they actually took him to the set where you see the the title sequence going on with all the castles and all the stuff going up and down and everything. Right. He he showed them, you know, he he was shown that, and on the way back to his studio. He was already had the melody in his mind. That's cool. He had already basically written the entire beginning uh, just from that little piece, and that just tells you, you know, how this man's mind really works. He uses the visuals to really kind of um, help him and bringing, you know, the audio, you know, portion and bringing it together. So uh, that was a really nice little kind of thing to to know, a little insight about how his. You know how he wow. came about to 
uh, do all these things, but uh, but this uh, ISIS, concert... dro- ISIS is dropping some major knowledge on us right now. Like I'm blown away. <laughs> well, Seriously, it... sounded way better than Jawadi did on the Facebook live. He he sounded like he was talking about a library book or something. Like I oh, I'm no, so like, but this is is this yeah. the same concert they were talking about, like having wildfire, or was that the one that was at, in in the L.A. Coliseum? But I know there no, was a... they're talking they're talking about having wildfire at all of them Ooh, and. All of them. Uh, if you actually, I, I looked at the tickets where I live um, in D.C., and there's actually tables laid out, and there's seats for House Stark, and there's seats uh, for House Lannister that are right up against the stage. They're really expensive. That's awesome. But, I mean, it's just like, you look at that, you go, oh. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm seriously considering it, but... I don't know if I can quite bring myself to pay $500 to sit in house land. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I Lester know. Lester always just... pays their debts. Uh, I know. <laughs> that's really awesome. But, um, yeah, that's re- that sounds really cool. And Jawadi, as a composer, is an amazing guy anyway. And he's all over the television right now. Like, right now, he's composed the theme to uh, HBO's next hit, Westworld, which was really cool. Had a great premiere. Um, in fact, beat Game of Thrones and True, De- True Detective's premieres. By a wide margin, but of course, you know the the premieres when they premiered were different in different years, and there's social media has grown, and there's HBO Go and all that kind of stuff. So, but anyway, Jawadi's part of that, which was awesome. And I like that, and he does the Strain, he does a few of the TV shows on that are really popular right now. So he's really like a hot commodity as a composer for television. And um, oh, absolutely, I'm glad he's I would doing definitely- this for. I'm glad he's doing this. As a traveling show, basically for Game of Thrones, and if it comes anywhere near me, like Kansas City is pretty close to me. Well, not not pretty close; it's the closest thing to me. So I might try to go, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, and I feel like, and I feel like that music is, uh, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but it's getting more attention. I think you know, even the Outlander, um, writer, the music writer for that, Bear. Um, you know, he has been getting a lot of attention. People are paying attention to, you know, the background music, if you will. And I say that with air quotes, um, you know, th- so these people are now becoming household names for for very good reasons. Well, music, music plays a huge part in the in the show. Like if you take apart like Game of Thrones and you when you when you think of how Stark, you instantly think of their theme song. If you think of House Lannister, you instantly start humming the reigns of Castamere in your head. Like these are things that are very important to the show, and that's why that's why I mentioned Westworld. Like obviously, Jawadi didn't didn't write Black Hole Sun, but in a, you know, like he but that was on the show, played on their little player piano, and I'm sure he had his hands in that, like playing it differently. It was amazing. So. Um, I, I love the fact that you're right. These composers, like, and, and you you brought up a great point. Outlander is one of the best opening theme songs ever. Like, I love the way they sing the Gaelic. Uh, it's just amazing, you know. And I can listen to that opening forever. Another great show is Black Cells. If you guys have watched Black Cells, they have an amazing opening there. So the opening to uh, Victoria, which hasn't made it over to this side of the pond yet, but is uh, on the B- is on ITV right now. It's so gorgeous, like it gets stuck in my head. It's only like a minute and thirty five seconds long, and I have it playing in the back of my head all the time now. Well, think about uh, a show that's not on anymore, Downton Abbey. That that's that was an amazing. Wait, Victoria, uh, Victoria's actually going in the Downton Abbey slot, so uh, you and Melissa should uh, uh, DVR We it. definitely will. What you got, what about, uh What about Doug? <laughs> Doug? Oh, my God. <laughs> do, 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 oh, my no, do, stop. Do, do, no. <laughs> it's in my I mean, Rugrats was pretty good, too. I like yeah, it was. It was. That was a good one. I, see, yeah. this is why... This is why he's your stable boy. He compliments you so perfectly. <laughs> anyway, right. let's get let's get off the composer topic. We got some casting news to talk about. Um, Annie, let's talk about our newest redhead actress in the North that everybody thought was Sansa's double. Oh, Megan Parkinson. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was basically there was a bunch of pictures that were taken um among the cars as actors were arriving for their trailers. Um, you might have seen some of the pictures. Uh, basically, uh, you see Jon Snow and you see uh, uh Brienne both wearing like kind of under tunicky kind of things like uh. And then there was a redhead who we saw, who we thought was Sansa. And then we saw her from the front, and it was definitely not her. 
But everybody's like, oh, well, that must just be her double because we only have one redhead on the show, right? But, you know, turns out actually that's not a double or an extra. She's actually an actress. Her name is Megan Parkinson. Nice. Um, and we think she may be playing a new character. Um, one of the things about, uh, one of the things about season seven as we go in is that now that John has been named King of the North, he's going to have to get married. I mean, that's just a thing. He's going to have to get married. Um, and, you know, some people were theorizing that it could be Liana Star or not Liana Mormont, excuse me. Um, but she's not being cast up as older. She's coming um, back as her, as, as she's, Bella Ramsey is returning. Yeah, as a little, so she's coming back and she's coming back as a prepubescent. And one of the things about the show is that it has refused in, in the books they would totally marry her to John anyway. Like they don't care about age in that because they very much go from the kind of middle ages thing where the moment a girl bleeds, it doesn't matter how young she is. She's married. Right. But the show has always made a point in aging everybody up. Right. So um, the fact they didn't age her up suggests that she's not going to be married to Jon Snow. She may be engaged off to somebody, but not married. Um, So this could be somebody who, you know, there could be a new redhead in Jon Snow's life. We do know he likes redheads. Let's talk about about who she could possibly be really quick. Now, redheads are kind of a common thing in the North. Like you you see the redheads, like (laughs) the wildlings. Uh, touched by fire, all that kind of stuff. They're in the north, so that's a common thing. But what if Jon Snow? If this is a theory, we're going to work on really quick. Just like, just let's take a quick sidestep into the weeds with Jon Snow and this redhead. Um, what house could she possibly come from? Let's talk about the Battle of the Bastards. He basically, uh, with the help of uh, the Knights of the Vale, obviously decimated House Karstark, right? House mm-hmm. House um, Umber and mm-hmm. House Bolton. So they could still have people there from their houses, like family members. And there could be a choice. It could be that she's a Car Stark or or um, or somebody from you know uh, from one of those defeated houses that he takes. But the fact of the matter is, is that's usually not how that works. Right. Um. Usually, if you were a defeated house, you um, you're 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 as low as Corey Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm sorry, Zing. it's just a fact. Um, so the fact of the matter is, is that she's probably, if anything, she would be from a house that was on his side during the battle. Ah. I mean, she could even be from, you know, the Mormon. She could be someone who's a, a distant related Mormon. Or, I mean, uh, I mean, well, I, like that idea. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, Jorah Mor- you know, y'all call him Sir Friendzone. He does have kind of blondish reddish hair. So you know, this it could be it could be someone else from House Mormon instead of Liana. That she's like, you know what? I have decided that you are going to marry this cousin of mine here. Right. You know, and you can totally see her doing that too. Now, Corey, um, Corey Smith had a couple of good ideas. I know that he mentioned, um, is it Elise Carstark from the books? Corey Smith. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think they mentioned her because in the books she looks more like Arya. So I don't know that the red hair thing. Well, they haven't. The they, they, haven't they haven't talked about any of that in the show. Yeah, and they and changed I mean, they the could, looks of people before. Right, and if they, you know, if they start straight up changing it to be anything they want just for the show, I mean, then it kind of gets hard to guess. But um, I was thinking it might be either one of the Manderleys. Um, uh, ah, you know, Right, it could be Wyla, or I mean, th- he had like five or six of them. So I mean, he could. They could. Pick any of them, and it could be one of the Manderleys. They'd be a, a house that was a very powerful secure. house that has ships. Right, they they're big enough where John could theoretically, you know, consider marrying, you know, to kind of unite the houses and unite the North, et cetera, et cetera. So that could be one. Um, my other one is, and y'all have to help me out on this one, but has has Tormund ever talked about his kids on no, the show? He's not in the okay. book. He talks about his. His sons. Does he have a daughter in the books? As he well? talks about a daughter. Do- he compares Jon Snow to his daughter, right? Like, right, okay. right. But that yes. hasn't a that hasn't happened in the show, and b I just I don't Red see hair, him. I uh, yes, but I don't see him marrying a wildling. No, I, I don't see either. him marrying Tormund to a great house yes. to sort of make that. But I don't see him himself marrying a wildling because that's not politically correct. 
What um, if what if we see this? Expedient. What if we but see Tormund become uh, the new head of House Umber? He's the giant's bane. They do have a giant on their sigil. Uh, that was a theory that was passed around last season. Uh, if Tormund made it through the Battle of the Bastards and John became the King of the North, he could assign uh, Tormund to be the new head of House Umber. I don't know how that and works. He did ki- and he did kill the head of House Umber. He did. You, you yeah. keep what you kill, right? I mean, Tormund could, you know, I mean, we we touched on this a while back. There's a lot of houses in the north now that are going to need. I mean, the Boltons, you look at the Dreadfort is essentially all the Boltons were wiped out. So he could just throw, you know, Tormund down there and give him the castle. And or tell Davos. Him, yeah, or Davos. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of vacant, you know, vacancies to fill, so to speak. So, I mean, the well, possibility is kind of endless. I kind of like the idea of... Um, the redhead being a Manderly. Let's give a little backstory real quick on the possibilities of a Manderly because I like this idea. Um, in the books, Davos Seaworth is actually sent out by Stannis to, to the major houses in the north. Like, you know how we saw last season, and I'm talking basically to the Shonleys here. I love you guys, Isis and Corey Bone. Uh, but in the books, Davos is sent out to that major houses to win support for Stannis. Well, in last season, we saw John. Sansa and Davos go to the major houses looking for support for House Stark. Kind of a, a flip of sorts, but, it, you know, basically the same thing. Well, Davos goes to House Manderly, and he asks for support. And Wyla Manderly uh, is a granddaughter of, of uh, Lord Manderly. He's a guy from last season who stood up. He's the first one who proclaimed after, after, after um, Lyanna. He's the he's the first man that proclaimed Jon Snow king in the north, I believe, right? Or Isn't the, he supposed to be super fat in the book? He is, but he's not yes. in the show. He's he's kind of, he's a large man in the show. In the books, they call him Lord Too Fat to sit a horse, or yeah, you know. And he also he also I heard you talk about it before. Something about mermaids and, and varies and shit. Yeah, <laughs> you need this to stop great. drinking right now. Yeah, they have, they have a merman on his sigil. Anyway, Wiley gives a speech about how House Stark has always been loyal to House Manderly, and, and they saved House Manderly because House Manderly came from the reach where House Tyrell was. They were chased away, and House Stark gave them land, gave them a place to stay, and protected them. And they talk about how the wolves protected them. And she said, that's where you get the North remembers. And mm. so I would love that to be a daughter or a granddaughter of Wyman Manderley to, to come in and to join those two houses. John marries her, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of people out there saying, no, John can't marry anybody because he's got to marry his aunt, uh, Danny. So, um, you know, it gets up in the air. But let's keep talking about the different casting in, in the North. We do have some returning characters that we've got confirmation from. One, Corey Smith, we, you talked about the Boltons. Who's coming back from House Bolton? So uh, shout out to uh, Dan, editor-in-chief of Wick. He was very excited that uh, Master Master Wolcan is coming back. Maester, not Master. Maester, Master, Maester. They're different. Um, idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Stable well, you know. boy. Idiota. <laughs> anyway, as they Mace would say Wolf- in Texas, Mace he's Wolf- coming back. He was, uh, you know, he was in two scenes in season six. Um, he was in service to the Boltons at, at Winterfell. Um, it, his biggest scene was the the scene where uh, Ramsay kills Roose, um, and then you know they kind of turn and tell him like, "Oh no, Roose was poisoned by our enemies." Right. And then after that, we didn't really see him. Um, well, it's, it's, it's interesting season. to note that we saw him before that. When they're looking over the body of uh, what's your name, Miranda, and uh, right. he's like, "Yes, do you want me to set a pyre, my lord, so we can give her a funeral rise?" And, and Ramsay's like, "No, she's good meat. Feed her to the dogs." So she was there. So Wolken was there then as well. Yeah, and that was basically that's that's all he's kind of done. So um, I mean, I guess theoretically he's going to still be in service to Winterfell. Um, the the Maesters are assigned to. Uh, the great houses, they're not supposed to have any kind of allegiance. They're supposed to kind of be neutral. They're supposed to be advisors to each house. Right. So theoretically, he could be kind of now advising John since they haven't had a, a maester in Winterfell since, um, since what's his fit? Maester Lewin. Maester Lewin, right. Correct. Isis, let so, me ask you a question. If, if you're Jon Snow, since he's your little cinnamon bun, if you're Jon Snow and... 
you just defeated House Bolton, a house that stands for horrible atrocities to not only your family but to your sister personally. Do you trust the maester from House Bolton? Isis. Isis no. is not there. No. Yes, she is. No, I'm here. There you I'm are. Here. You were you were you were really quiet. Yeah. I'm sorry. So you You're don't right. you don't okay, trust sorry. him, huh? Uh, no, I'm, I would have to. I would have to get somebody else. I mean, even if it's my little friend that is uh, that is um, Sam. Sam, yeah, because he he didn't he go to, to be a maester. He's training. He, to, to he wants to train to be a maester. Yeah. Yeah, training to be a maester. I'm gonna leave that spot open, possibly, possibly. from for my buddy, because because I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do an internal hire. And uh, and because I think I can trust him a lot more than I can somebody who was, um, you know, rooting for me to lose. So I, I would I would have a big, big problem going ahead and keeping this guy around. Maybe if I do keep him around, I will have to take what he you know, says with a grain of salt. Uh, but uh, I really feel like there's just, you know. Sometimes you, you can't go outside. You just need to go ahead and, and hire the, the person that you feel the most comfortable with, especially with the information um, that uh, that that he's going to need. My little cinnamon bun is going to need. So if, <laughs> if at all possible, I, I want to see his buddy come back with his his uh, his girlfriend, his main squeeze or chola, whatever you want to call her. Gilly. And uh, and then, you know, he he goes and helps out John out if we have time for it. You know, if he finds what he needs to find over there and then he can get over to uh, Winterfeld, that would be optimal. Like, I want him to go ahead and find uh, whatever transport device Littlefinger uses. <laughs> uh, and then that would be great because then that would solve all our problems. Corey Phone, um, if if Sam – do we have enough time in two shortened seasons for Sam to become a maester and come back to Winterfell? Well, we all know that Sam – is an advanced placement student, and uh, he's he's spent his whole life being a dork. So uh, I'm sure he's got a bit of a jump up on the other people that are there. I don't know. He's, he's um, uh, I mean, passed his owls, hasn't he? Yeah, I, he's what? That was a Harry Potter. His owls. His owls. Owl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> so are we talking? Uh, which which fictional universe are we in? Corey. <laughs> Sorry. I do. I do want to point out that they made a big deal last year of him definitely not approving of what of what Ramsey did. I would not be surprised if we saw a scene at the very beginning of the season where he's basically like, "I'm so glad Ramsey is dead. It was terrible working under him. I'm so glad that that that, that we have a Stark in Winterfell again." That would be cool. But he would definitely have a you know a mountain to climb for John to trust him. I mean, it, it would be. Not a At hill. this point, is it John or Sansa? Does Sansa not trust him because he was part of House Bolton? She's oh, a lady of Winterfell. Go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have also... talking about Sam? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about Sam, and then we transferred back to Walken. No, uh, we were talking about Sam. Someone said some shit about owls, and then all of a sudden <laughs> we're talking about someone who's been working for the Boltons? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, Corey Thone, give me your solid answer. Do we have enough time for Sam yes. Westbeck? My God, this is a show where Varys traveled 18,000 miles in three minutes. We can get – he can speed read a book for Christ's sake. Let's just so, get on with it. Make so him a maester. So you think Sam will become a maester? Do you think he'll get back to John or does he go back to the wall? Uh, here's here's how I think it's going to happen is something along the lines of every time we see Sam, he's always talking. Oh, I found this interesting thing. I found this book, and and they talk about you know fire, and then it, like it's slowly leading up to him figuring out how to stop dragons or something, or stop White Walkers or both. And uh, they just keep hinting to that, and then at the end of this season, like he's going to look up from the book and be like Eureka, and then we're going to cut to black, and that's going to be <laughs> the end of the season. Oh my god, I love it. So, we also have another returning character confirmed, uh, Lord Robert Glover, the guy who would not support John in the in the Battle of the Bastards, who told John, uh, you know, my I bled enough, my house bled enough for House Stark with Rob Stark, so we're not going to support you, and then he ended up swearing fealty to the new King of the North, Jon Snow. He's back. Um, 
Let me ask you a question, Annie. Do you think that Robert Glover will play a, a larger part in season seven, maybe as a military commander for John's army? He could be. That also could be his daughter. I mean, there's yes. a lot. The the uh, the redhead girl. I mean, honestly, like a lot of these are just yes, they're all coming back. Yes, the ones who survived are coming back. Check, 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 check. The only one that's interesting in my book is the redheaded girl, and it's partly because she does look like Sansa. Um, and I wonder if the fact that if John might get engaged to someone who looks like Sansa but isn't Sansa might upset her. Right, the jealousy part. She and the reason we know she, the reason we feel like she, uh, or the reason it was said that she's a, a new character is she was wearing a sword belt in one of the in one of the pictures. She was getting fitted for a sword belt, and some, and I believe it was Dan or somebody else said, "Well, could Sansa be wearing a sword belt?" But why would why on earth would Sansa wear a sword belt? She basically wears embroidered Stark clothes that she hand makes, um, and she's never had a sword in her life. She she kind of shies away from that kind of stuff. She's kind of a mastermind behind the scenes, like Littlefinger. She's growing up to be like that. I don't see her wearing a sword. I could be absolutely wrong. I believe she's a new character. Uh, so I don't know. Any thoughts? Any last I'm thoughts? I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys about that because I think. I, it would be it would be out of character for Sansa to um hold on a second. It would be out of character what the hell? What are you doing? I I was doing something and then a website popped up with freaking sound. Porn? Okay, ten you seconds. Porn, you get some porn on your computer, don't you? <laughs> the All silence right. is telling. The silence yeah. Well, I was giving tech ten seconds so you can cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping it. We're keeping it. Keep oh, going. Ass. Okay, so anyway, I think it's really telling because I don't think Sansa is the type of person to carry a sword. Now, I know that uh, one of the writers on Culturist.com wrote a reason or I guess her um, – what was it, Annie? Was it like her, her reasons for, for John and Sansa to get together? That's I'm I, Yeah, I, I love her um, – her thought process on it. I am not subscribing to that, nor do I think that Sansa will be jealous that John is, you know, getting married or having an arranged marriage. Um, you know, Sansa already had an arranged marriage, actually two arranged marriages. She don't want no part of that shit. Okay? She's never, she's opinion. never shown romantic interest in John. It would be weird for the show to just automatically in season seven start showing Sansa being really super interested in John romantically. That would be sickening. I think even though they're not technically uh, siblings, they're cousins. It's still, you, it just it's too icky. Even for Game you, of Thrones, you, you guys, you do have to understand though that there is a very large faction of the fandom that does actually want this to happen. They also, yes. I know, and they also want they like in, in Game of Thrones. It's not unheard of for. A man to marry his cousin. Tywin Lannister married his cousin. Uh, so and, you know, there, there's other houses where you know the lords marry Targaryens. Targaryens marry brother and sister, uh, like I said. But other houses think it's okay to marry cousins, just not siblings. Uh, so it would not be out of character. But before that would even have to happen, we would have to have Bran reveal that John is not a not a Stark. He's a Targaryen. Blah 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 blah. So we couldn't even get to, we we're not even going to get into that into this podcast because we have another really cool thing to talk about and it's a it's a spoiler. So right now I'm going to warn you if you're listening to the podcast, we're about to get into a very big spoiler for season seven. So I'm giving you about five seconds to turn back now. One, two, three, four, five. You're fucked. All right, Corey Smith, you wrote an article, a speculation piece on this. So I want you to bring us into this big season seven spoiler. Okay, so we had this came courtesy of uh, Watchers on the Wall, and they had, or no, Los Cientos Reinos. Sorry, right. the, the right, Spanish right. website. My bad. LSR. LSR. Our friends, at, our homies at LSR, um, who don't speak English. So they they basically reported that they're filming a two. We're not quite sure if this is one scene or if it's two separate scenes, but they're filming a, a large battle where we have a caravan that has been loaded up from a, a castle that's going to be CGI inserted in the background. And it's attacked as it's they're transporting, we, we assume, some sort of supplies, food, et cetera, et cetera. 
so there's that. And, and then the bigger one is that they're filming a scene near a body of water, um, like on a shore or something like that, where a main character, it's described as a main character, falls into the water and has to be rescued. And we know that a dragon will be involved in this scene, um, and we know a Lannister will be involved in this scene. So the speculation, obviously the the most logical person to fall in the, or if, if it's falling off a dragon, would be Danny, because um, thus far she's the only one we've seen that um, rides the dragons. So that would be a big one. Um, but if you start including anybody that might be on the ships, you know, obviously it could be it could be any of the characters. I mean, if you're going to say main character, I would just say, you know, any main character, you're talking Danny or Tyrion, and nobody else is really a main character to me. Okay, so let's talk uh, about this really quick. Let's 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 just speculate. So, are we I would say that we're all I am anyway of the mind that it's going to be Danny that's writing Drogon, right? Absolutely not. No? Okay. I, I don't... Oh, I've never seen Danny fall off Drogon. On the other hand, Tyrion is tiny and a klutz, and he's never ridden a dragon before. Don't you see him being the one falling off and into the water? There is a Lannister involved in the scene. You make a great point. I want to hear other people talk about this, though, because our Shonleys aren't talking. Corey Thone, how do you think this plays out? Is it Danny that falls off Drogon? Is it Tyrion that falls off uh, Viserion or Rhaegal? Who do you think? It's definitely Danny. I think uh, the I don't I don't see Tyrion riding a dragon. Honestly, uh, I think basically Danny's going to get into a real battle with the dragons mm-hmm. and not going to be able like they're going to start getting hurt and kind of flapping around like arrows my belly and then she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna fall off. Like I, obviously it'd be a deeper voice than that, but I mean I just. I have a hard time buying Tyrion just on a dragon in general. A because now, granted, we did see him go and talk to the dragons in the basement, and they're but, really friendly uh, to him. And yeah, go back to season one where he has a special saddle made for people who are dwarves and and uh, lame. Yeah, sure. So I mean, they they've definitely laid some planted some Johnny Apple seeds leading up to it. But when it's all said and done, I just I think if you start putting Tyrion on a dragon. I don't know. I feel like that there's there's really not a there's not a ceiling to to the weirdness of these last two seasons. And if that happens, if that happens, then I'm I'm fully buying every stupid theory about him being a Targaryen fetus and everything. Because at that Secret point, Targaryen time traveling fetus. Roll roll with it because he's on a dragon. So Isis, you had some thoughts on this. Okay, I'm with Annie, and I'm I'm with her. I think it's going to be Tyrion who falls off. I believe the fact that he has this passion that, that that was like the only thing he ever wanted to do was have a dragon and to be able to, you know, control it and ride it and all these things. And I think that it's going to be something that he will – I think he'll do go about it respectfully and ask um, Danny if he can do it. You know, I don't think he'll just do it like on well, a sly or anything like that. Of course he like would. That. He's her, he's her uh, hand of the queen. Yeah, well, and, you know, I mean, I just, and I think she would be like, all right, you know, you you serve some usefulness. Yeah, you can ride one of my, my dragons. So I, if I had to guess, I think, you know, she's there, but she, it's the it's Tyrion that falls off the dragon. I really do. Corey Smith. Um, Corey Smith, you had a point about this, too. Okay, so I, I, I have a point and I have a question. Okay, so my first point is we don't necessarily know... I don't think that Tyrion falling off eliminates Danny from being on the dragon as well. Right. Uh, so, could, I mean, I, do you think it could be think, a dual riding? Like maybe uh, Tyrion's riding bitch? Yeah, like, hey, let's go for a ride and then maybe they get ambushed. <laughs> Something like, I, I don't think it has to necessarily be Tyrion's up there. Or, or the other. Yeah, solo flying a dragon and he's got his magic harness and he's a Targaryen and all this stuff. He could just be on along for a ride. I mean, Drogon's freaking huge and Tyrion's, you know, small. So I don't see why. So- actually, that's actually a really good point. Uh, yeah. That's that's a much. I have a much easier time buying that than uh, than him like solo flying a dragon. So right. let, me, let me get this straight. You guys think that as they're as they're sailing across the narrow sea, Tyrion just looks up to Danny one day and says, "Hey, 
hey, queen of mine, can can I ride the dragon with you when you take him out to go fly? And she's like, I sure. Mean, then they get up there, and then the theme song from A Never Ending Story starts playing, and Terry starts <laughs> pointing to, like, mountains. Oh, look! Oh, look! Falcor! Ah, la, 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 la. Like, a, uh, come on, man. Let's, let's... No, I mean, no, no actually, actually, no. I see them get... I They go... They get on Drogon to scout ahead. Okay. Right. And then they and get then, ambushed by anybody. You're on by your own great joy in the Iron Fleet. An right. ice they dragon. Run into an ice dragon. <laughs> the I mean, ice dragon. Maybe they run into Hurricane Michael. You don't know what's oh going my on. God. Maybe that Topical. big volcano in Europe uh, keeps them from flying overseas for another season, so we don't quite get. Yeah. Topical, topical references are topical. Great job, guys. Uh, okay. So, but here, here's my question. To me, it's more important to, and, and we kind of just started getting into this, why exactly do they fall off and what kind of consequences does that have for the dragon? Because ah. I, I assume whoever falls off is going to get rescued fairly quickly. Like, I don't think that it's going to be, oh, Tyrion falls off and he drowns and, okay, there goes that whole story. You know what I mean? Right. If it's a main character, whoever it is is not going to die via drowning. That's the most boring thing on Game Death on Game of Thrones we've ever seen. So, to me, it's more important to ask, why are they, why do they get knocked off? And if that has some sort of consequence for the dragon, i.e., is the dragon killed or, you know, something along those lines. That's yeah, we, we, kind of the more interesting. Okay, so tinfoil hat here. One of them falls off and lands in the boat with Gendry. Oh my God! Not the Gendry. So Gendry's Gendry's out in the ocean rowing under a dragon, just waiting to catch one of them as they fall. Right? That, exactly. It's that's just not like, tinfoil. That's like Coors Light foil. On whatever well, beer am, you're drinking. I am drinking a Bud Ice right now. But so. okay. Oh my God! The headache you're gonna have in the morning. Okay, dude, I love butt ices. <laughs> you're you're you are so Shreveport. You are so as low as I thought I could go with Coors Light, but I mean, Bud Ice is a step even below Coors. Anyway, Light. anyway, uh, yeah. So I think that's a funny point, but uh, you know, I like I like the fact that you're thinking that way, Corey Smith. I like the fact that what's the consequences? Now we've seen Drogon uh, when he rescued Daenerys from Daznak's pit, and we finally saw her fly him for the first time. He had, like, multiple spears thrown at him and, and actually, like, pierced his wings and, and landed his body. She had to pull a spear out. Um, you know, so he's had weapons thrown at him and stuck in him, and he was smaller when that happened in Season 5. Now he's gigantic in Season 6. Who knows what size he's going to be in Season 7. Um, it would have to be a pretty big weapon to affect him, like maybe uh, – a ballista, a ballista, I mean, a, a ballista, or uh, you know, a, a, a cross bolt from the ship, fire from the ship, something like that. I uh, maybe could could cause him to like twist and turn midair and maybe shake off the rider. I don't right. see the, I don't see David uh, Benioff and Dan Weiss killing off the dragons because, to me, and I could like again. Us book readers have no idea what's going on, but I feel like the dragons are too important to the story to kill, especially in a sea battle, especially as they're landing. You know what I'm saying? It just does not make that much sense. If they're going to go ahead and use the death of one of the dragons, they should do it if there's the, the war on the wall. That's when it'll be most effective. Exactly. Thank you. That's a very good point. Like, if, if you're going to have dragons, you have to, like, obviously... The fire from the dragons is supposed to be magical, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, they burn ships in half and destroy things. And they can just absolutely destroy an entire army of whites because whites can be killed by magic, uh, by fire, not magic. But then you have the White Walkers. Now, the White Walkers, we've seen the Night King use a power where he slams his fist into the ground and it breaks open the ground. We don't know what kind of ground-to-air defense he might have. He might have some kind of magical air defense that can shoot down a dragon. That would be really cool. Uh, to make the to make a dragon's death important, it's got to be an important battle. Or or like Cory Thone would like to say, he, he might have an ice dragon. And that, mm-hmm. would, that, would, be, that would work too. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Annie, Annie, are you buying any of this? I know you talk about Tyrion falling off a dragon, so you don't think it's Daenerys at all. 
No, I don't think it's an Aries at all. I mean, at Culturist, we came up with the idea of, uh, you know, Danny basically being like, screw this crap, I don't want to do this, find me an extra. Um, <laughs> but honestly, like, I, I, I don't buy Danny falling off Drogon because I believe Danny at this point is too good a rider of her dragon. Um, and it would take basically something where Drogon got injured to the point of dying that would, that, to get him to toss her. Um, which is why I think Tyrion is a much better candidate. Either on his first solo ride, he falls off, or if he's on the back because they're off scouting and he falls off. I just, I, that's just, I don't see Danny falling off unless Drogon is killed. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to think that way too. And I mean, it makes sense for them to scout. I mean, Danny's never been to Westeros. So, you know, going up high and Tyrion kind of showing her the lay of the land, you know, that all makes sense as to who it would be. So, right, right. Okay, let's move off this topic really quick. Um, let's talk about uh, some cast, some scenes. We're going to be shooting scenes in a different area. Um, uh, again, this is our editor-in-chief, Dan Selke. He wrote this article about about Mod – I'm going to probably butcher their name. Mod Export International. I probably destroyed that name. Anyway, they're reporting that there's going to be some uh, – there's a lot of sets that are being built there in a beach town, a Spanish town there next to the sea. But they're also doing a casting call for men over the age of 18, um, and they're looking – they prefer locals there. So they're looking for, I guess, uh, darker-skinned people. So are we looking at a casting call for Dothraki? Annie, what do you think about that? Oh, probably. I mean, that's basically uh, the company oh, whose name you butchered. Um, <laughs> they, they're not the ones reporting the uh, the set things. What they are is they are a casting company. That's what they do. They cast extras and locals. That's what they do. And they they're the company that Game of Thrones has been using these last few years since they've been in Spain to cast extras for large for large scenes like um, like the uh, Danny's fire scene where she burns the uh, Dothraki calls to death. They cast all the extras for that. Ah. They cast all the extras um, that stood outside of the uh, outside of the um, the Sept of Baelor when uh, uh, Marjorie came out and we found out that uh, she had basically sold the uh, kingdom up the river to not have to walk naked to the High Sparrow. Um, like, that's what, that's what they do. They cast those big swaths of extras. Um, so, yeah, of course we're going to have big swaths of extras and big swaths of Dothraki. Have you seen the army that Danny's bringing? Could, could it also be um, Dorne's army? Um, I suppose, but you know, the fact of the matter is, is it's going to be lots of armies. There's going to be lots of extras. There's going to be lots of battles and there's not going to be able to hire enough of them. So they're all going to be CGI replicated once they're all there. Do we get Corey Thone? Let me ask you this. Do you think we're going to get a major battle in season seven? A major, like we're having all these casting calls for all these extras. We're getting reports of sea battle, possible sea battles, somebody falling off a dragon. Are we going to have one, maybe even two, massive battles in Season 7? I think that we're either going to get two full-episode-type battles, kind of like Battle of the Bastards. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily all in one place, but the whole episode is basically fighting or none. I don't see us getting just one. Right. I think that if the entire uh, Danny's army makes it across the ocean that there has to be a battle in the in that season and it could really come in the first three episodes absolutely and so if that turns out to be a big battle like like we actually it's not just a massacre with dragons just <laughs> burning the shit and everything if it's if it's a real battle then i'm pretty much convinced that we're gonna get a big end of season thing at the wall as well oh uh, and i think uh if well, it's got to happen, the Night King has to come across sometime. Yeah, I mean, I think that it'd be a good way to, to at least to have the season end with that, and with kind of the realization the last season has to be about stopping the White Walkers and not about Danny's dragons or something. Right. That's my that's my theory there. Corey Smith, you're itching to talk about a battle at sea. 
Well, uh, one of the other spoilers that they that they let drop was that they are going to actually film a battle at sea as opposed to in the past. I know we've had stuff happen at sea, but it was basically that one boat that that they had, and they just kind of you know on a against a green screen, and they just kind of CGI'd everything around it and all that stuff. You know, right. as far as like Battle of the Blackwater, um, and then even you know, I guess maybe you could consider a little bit of Hard Home, um, but. You know, this time they're going to actually film out in the sea. Um, they're going to film a battle scene out in the sea. So um, I think that's going to be kind of what we talked on previously with Euron um, teaming up with Cersei. I think Euron's going to intercept a portion, if not the whole, of Danny's fleet uh, before it makes landfall in Westeros. Um, you know, we had all those spoilers about him. Killing one of the sand snakes, taking either Theon or Yar captive. I mean, all that stuff. And then, you know, we finally had it come out that they're going to actually film something at sea. Um, and I think that's got to be Euron. I mean, I don't know yeah. what else it could possibly be. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's let's switch topics here really quick because we're coming to the last probably five to ten minutes of the, of the podcast. Um, Annie, you and I talked about this before the podcast started. Game of Thrones and uh, Random House, who produces, uh, who publishes George R. R. Martin's books, they're really amping up the merchandise for the show. We're in our last, coming into our last two seasons. Martin, at some point, has to publish The Winds of Winter, and then he's only got one more book after that if he makes it. Hope I'm praying to God that happens. But um, they're really amping up the merchandise, and they've well, it's also. The, um, this is also the 20th anniversary year of right. the first publishment of uh, a Game of Thrones, so there's also that excuse as well. They got a really cool thing. Now, if I could afford this, I would absolutely buy it because I'm a I'm I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. They call they have the thing called the George R R Martin box. Now, if you're familiar with Loot Crate or uh, Smuggler's Bounty from Funko Pop, they do these special things for 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 fans of different genres nerds basically they cater to them they you get a box every month i get loot crate and smugglers smugglers bounty every month for star wars and um it's pretty neat it's really awesome comes in a comes in your own box you have all the different collectible pieces inside and it's just a fun thing to be a part of now the george R. R. martin box is a one-time only deal and let me let me ask you guys, and I just want, I want to hear everybody chime on this because it's very this is very important to me. I'm going to see how you guys think about this kind of merchandise. If you had the if you were really into uh, the Game of Thrones 20th anniversary, Isis, I'm going to ask you first. If you had a choice to pay seventy five dollars for a special edition, two hundred dollars for a limited edition, or six hundred dollars for the ultra limited edition. Would you even go in for it, or or am I just bonkers crazy for even thinking about buying something like this? Yeah, six hundred dollars. That that's a that's a fucking car payment, dude. That that's that's like that's a house payment. That's a mortgage. Yeah, two months of my car payments. Shit. Yeah, that's a mortgage. Where 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 are mortgages so low? We don't live in DC, baby. We don't live in DC. Come to Shreveport. Come to Shreveport. I get you fixed up. But ice, nice but ice poke. But ice poke. Huh? Oh God! No, shoot. I, hey, I live in a gated community. For your information, <laughs> all right. So, so six hundred dollars for me. I, I, there's no way. There's no. There's absolutely no way. Maybe two hundred dollars, and Maybe. that's because that has to be my all-time most favoriteest. Thing in the whole wide world, and I'm gonna get this for Christmas. Like, All right, so you, you choose. Let's, my... let's say let's say you choose the two hundred dollar box. Here's what you're gonna get. You ready? Yeah. Limited right, number I'm... production of limited limited number production run of three thousand. Uh, so it's it's a it's a limited box. Uh, you get the collectible twentieth anniversary illustrated edition of a Game of Thrones book, the very first book in the series, and Which I have seen, and it's awesome. I wrote an article on Culturist about it. <laughs> <laughs> you name dropper. Anyway, uh, you also get exclusive HBO Game of Thrones t-shirt featuring a map of the Westeros and the sigils of the Great Houses. Um, you get the book on learning how to speak Dothraki. It's a course, an online course. Uh, you have an iron corn, iron corn, oh my god, iron coin of the Faceless Man. Um, 
a dead man set of coins from Westeros. Uh, game of Thrones, the card game, which I have, is pretty fun. Holiday, it's uh, holiday sigil. Uh, shield lights up for the holidays because this comes out in December. Um, and there's just like exclusive Lord Commander Jon Snow and Queen Daenerys miniatures, um, a Maester's journal, uh, a silk map of King's Landing, and a the box comes. You get the box. It's a wooden box. It's printed with George R. R. Martin's name. It's pretty nice. So is that worth two hundred dollars to you? I mean, okay. all, all those things I just said. Is that worth two hundred dollars to you? No, it's not. But I am. My interest is peaked on the coins, the shield, and the map. Out of all the things that you said, oh, in the illustrated book, sorry, the illustrated book. So to me, I mean, I would probably think that would be maybe 175 range, and I'm maybe I'm just splitting hairs here, but um, you know, as a mom, I'm trying to get a deal. Um, but you know, you know, these are going to be on eBay, right? Somebody's going to be selling these on eBay, so you probably could oh, absolutely, and they're going to be astronomical. Yeah. But um, but I think you know, I think to I think. $200 is somebody who's willing to go ahead and say, hey, you know what, this is this is really cool, this is something that I really enjoy, and I want to have these little collectibles. So I think, you know, $200, that's the mid-range. I think anything more than that, I think, is probably ridiculous. I mean, they have to be selling me a signed copy of every freaking book from R.R. From Martin. I want I want okay. a signed copy. As a matter of fact, I want a signed copy, and I want, like, a photo picture, you know, in, in every copy or something. Right. I mean, it ha- like, my name has to be in it and shit. Corey so. Smith, is this worth it to you? Any of these boxes worth it to you? I know you got a, I know you got your own needle sword, so is this... I, a- I mean, you know, everything you just described is... What's in the 600 is- box? I yeah, want to know what's okay. in the 600 box. Okay, hold on. First, first of all, everything in the two hundred dollar box, I'm pretty sure I've given away at our Game of Thrones Jeopardy at the feast, you know, to for prizes for the winners. So none of that sounds especially cool. The six hundred dollar box, I don't care what's in it. I, I don't think I would pay six hundred dollars for George Martin to come over to my house and hang out for the night. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa! Let alone, that's, that's I would. A, that's a lie. I would, let I would alone, do that in a heartbeat. You liar! You are a let lying alone, son of a bitch. Let alone some, you know, Game of Thrones with a fancy cover on it that, you know, they commissioned some artist. I mean, like, I don't know. These these boxes to me are just overhyped nonsense. I, I, I mean, none of it's new. There's nothing exclusive in it. It's just repackaging of the same stuff. And, I mean, I said this the other day. It's like... Instead of, I mean, are we at the point where now we're just going to repackage everything a hundred freaking times because we can't get anything new? Welcome like, we don't to, have any welcome new. Welcome to 2016. Welcome to 2016. I know. It's like, you know, we got a special edition coloring book coming out. We got like five different versions on the iPhone that you can read, you know, that got practically virtual reality now. It's like, can we get the new book instead of just repackaging the same shit? Like, I don't know. Wait, but hold on a second. You know, they're not. I mean, granted, yes, they are trying to sell Game of Thrones fans products and and sometimes unnecessary products and everything. But what they're trying to do is get these show watchers to read the books, to get more invested so they'll buy more merch. I mean, it's that to be honest, this is not these this shit. Like you said, oh, I I give this stuff away during our little games and shit like that. They're not they're not here for you. They're here for me and Corey's phone. Boom to go ahead and get us. Hit him with the left. Hit him with the right. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not trying to counter punch. But you know, that's who they're trying to attract (gasps) are the book reader or the non book readers to say, hey, look. We've put pictures in our books. Now, don't you want to read Game of Thrones? I mean, honestly, that's what they're doing. Is like, you know, before this was like a thousand-page book without any pictures in it. Hey, we've added pictures. That's a great now, point. That's a great point, it? ISIS. Uh, Annie, so, do you get, for, Annie, do you have a thought on this? Um, my my final thought was that I do not. You know, all of these boxes of toys are fun. Don't get me wrong, but if I were actually to take my money and spend it, it would be for those iBooks that they released last Thursday. Um, They started with A Game of Thrones, A Clash of Kings, A Storm of Swords, A Feast for Crows, and A Dance with Dragons are all coming along um, in the next few months. And what they are is they're totally enhanced editions of the books. So basically you can... 
one of the things I don't know about you, um, Razor um, or or Smith, but when when a new book came out, the first thing I always did is I went back to the first book and I reread up until, yes. and I tried to time myself so that I would finish the last book only a week or two before the new one came out, so that I would remember who all these bloody characters were and Absolutely. where they were, because I couldn't remember anymore, because yep. so many things have happened between, I mean, seriously, a five-year wait between books, you're not going to remember. Right. These enhanced editions come with the ability to tap on Caitlin's name, and it will literally say to you, the last time we we saw Catelyn, she was here, there, and the other thing. And this happened, and this happened. Like your own personal little, like, oh my God. in the last episode. It's and like then you can concierge. click on... And you yeah. can click on the name at the top of the at the top of the chapter, and it will give you all of the details of what's. It will give you all the highlights of what's happened to them in the last few chapters, and an overview of reminding you who they're related to and why. Um, and that's Amazing. very helpful. That's re- okay. Like we'll know who Bran is, right? But who is the you remember, like a cat of the canals? Who is that? Click on that. You know, like the chapters where it's a one-off character that you don't know, especially the epilogues and the prologues do that. A lot yeah and you know i want it when when the winds of winter comes i want to get the enhanced edition so that i can basically not have to read those first five books all over again and to have the book literally tell me so at the end of a dance with dragons john was lying dead on the ground right? awesome. oh yeah that's right i remember i forgot about that okay and oh, oh and I, the- what was ed doing let's click on ed's name you know like that kind of thing like it's so useful and it's so like and that is not just geared towards you got you've shown Lee's. That is geared towards anyone who has ever read these books mm-hmm. and who loves these books and who doesn't have all of the brain cell space to keep it there anymore <laughs> because we're not 16, we're not 18, we're not in college. We have, you know, it's been 20 years. I mean, seriously, oh I picked God. up these books at the end of high school, all wow. right? I am now in my late 30s. I have a life and a job and nieces and 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 car payments and mortgages and whatnot. I don't have the brains to remember all that anymore. So well, and I and I agree, Annie. I think that's great. But you know, when when non book readers, but show watchers show hear me. about that, yeah, show only, um, that kind of takes the imitate the uh, intimidation away yeah. of the books because you don't yeah, have to sure. remember either. Yeah, right. Exactly, and and I think that's what has intimidated a lot of non-book readers is that you know oh my god this these books are huge and and there's a lot of characters and you know you just get really kind of almost anxiety and you you know you go okay i don't want that in my life that's just way too much (laughs) and to have these different you know ways to where they can remind you yeah that's gonna fucking sell like hotcakes but again you know like you were saying for Something like that, that's definitely going to be something that show watcher only and book readers will actually buy. Okay. But a lot of this merch is is for show watchers to go kind of get them reined I agree. in. I agree. And, and, and I like the iBook idea. I like that it, it brings both uh, both parts of the fan base together. One last topic, and I want to get Corey Thone. I want to get your opinion on this because you kind of are – you're kind of our, our resident uh, television – uh, Americana expert, so I'm gonna go with you on this one. So uh, pay attention. I know you're. I know you're kind of fading there real quick. <laughs> um, I've had a lot of rum. So. You've, had a lot, you've had a lot of rum. <laughs> so um, Variety just did an article um, where they did a huge survey of actors, and this is our, this is the final thing we're going to talk about. The, uh, they did a huge survey of actors of what actors get paid in comedies, in dramas, and in reality shows, and we we covered it today on Winners Coming. Um, there's like five actors from Game of Thrones on this list, and really, yeah, and they, the top five actors are Peter Dinklage, Lena mm. Headey, Kit Harington, Amelia Clark, and uh, Coster Waldo, 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 Waldo. Anyway, whatever his name is. Just say Prince Charming next time. Yeah, Prince Charming. Yeah. Jamie Lannister. NC Dubs. Jamie Lannister. They all make five hundred thousand dollars per episode. Okay, sounds like mm. a lot of money, right? It sounds pretty good for for. For an acting, pretty pretty good, right? Compared to the comedy section, would you care to hazard a guess who made? Uh, you can just stop right there. That's been hap- you're t- you're going to start comparing HBO to network comedies, mm-hmm. and that's just not the same wheelhouse at all. Okay. You're going to tell me that the cast and crew from I'm going to guess 
It used to be two and a half men, so I'm going to say Big Bang Theory. Boom. And they, prob- they probably make $800 million a second, <laughs> uh, and it's absurd. It was absurd when the cast of Friends got paid that much money. It, it's absurd. It's it's absurd that, that these actors get five hundred thousand dollars an episode. But when it's all said and done, the money they bring in needs to be proportional for how they're paid. Uh, I think Big Bang Theory is probably one of the ten worst shows to be so popular mm-hmm. in maybe ever. But uh, at the same time, it's not marketed to me, and I forgot it existed until you made me talk about it just now. Uh, so you, hit, you hit it exactly on the, on the a on good the, example. It was I can't remember what what show I heard it on. But uh, like the the people from Jag used to get paid a shitload of money, uh-huh. and I've never heard anybody be like, "Hey, did you catch that episode of Jag last night?" <laughs> like, it's not a, it's not a show, you know. It's not a show that people talk about. It's NCIS or it's uh, whatever. And when there is a, and I'm not trying to dog network comedies. There are some of the best comedies of the past twenty years have been on network TV. ABC's uh, just, ABC's killing it with the comedies right now. Blackish. Goldberg, Blackish is great, yeah, and and, uh, and the uh, fresh off the boat, whatever it is. Fresh off the boat's good, and Modern Modern Family. ABC's killing it right now with that. Sure, uh, I mean Fox has Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's a great comedy. Uh, NBC's new ones aren't bad. The Good Place and Superstore. I've watched both of them. Uh, they're not they're not bad at all. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm not surprised. You're talking about just in general, CBS is pretty much free to anyone if you have rabbit ears. So their reach is greater. Their show is shorter. It's more digestible. And uh, also it's it's much more – I wouldn't say it's much more white than Game of Thrones, but it's more American white. Yeah, so. and well, they, <laughs> the three actors from Big Bang Theory, uh, I'm not, I don't even care who their names are. They all get paid a million per episode. Uh, sure. That's, that's insane. They get paid a million per episode, guys. Uh, and and Corey Smith and I were talking about this today, and he made a great point. Andy chimed in and made a great point. Um, CBS ad revenue, right? There's commercial breaks, like every however many minutes, and there's ad revenue. And they and then Andy said they film all their scenes on stage, whereas Game of Thrones travels across the globe to film scenes, and they build these huge sets and all the CGI. So you're right; it's got the the pay has to be proportional. HBO doesn't have commercials. Um, their big sell is like H- HBO Go and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, $500,000 an episode for Game of Thrones, which is, I don't even think can be argued, is the greatest show on television right now, uh, compared to a comedy that is a niche comedy, but it's on a major network that is free to everybody. They get paid a million dollars an episode. So, I just wanted to get your thoughts, and you hit the nail on the head. Do you think? Let me ask you this before we before we sign off. Do you think the the actors of Game of Thrones uh, need to be making more money than five hundred thousand dollars an episode? And out of the people that I mentioned, should some of the other actors like Macy Williams, uh, Sophie Turner, should they be making around five hundred thousand dollars an episode? No. No. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's up to their agents. HBO's not gonna. I want your. Offer I want your money. thoughts though. I want. I want to hear your your thoughts on that. I mean, I don't, I don't care. No. I guess if they're, if they're, if, if they're, as long as they're on the show and not boycotting or something, then, then I'm fine with it. I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, it's again, it's for me. It's like I don't think any actor should be making a million an episode or five hundred thousand an episode. But that's what it's like. NFL players, NFL brings in a trillion dollars a year, so the player's salary needs to reflect that. Um, you know, it is what it is. We love entertainment. I love entertainment. And you know it's just it's it's kind of the world that we live in, but uh, no, I don't I don't care if they don't make five hundred thousand. If they do, good for them. Um, okay. Macy Williams, maybe you can make the case her agent needs to get off his ass, maybe a little <laughs> bit. But but it's also about the contracts that they signed too, because she was she was under eighteen when the show started, so that's a totally different ballgame. Right, Corey. Yes. Corey same, same, same with Sophie Turner. Right. Okay. Corey, Corey Smith, you're you're very adamant. No. Well, no, I, I just, I mean, if you're going to talk, I, I think the right people are getting paid on there. I mean, yeah, Sophie Turner is a, a decent part of the show, but she's not a major character in the way that Danny, John, Cersei are. I mean, yeah, she's big, but she's not, you know, um, I mean, if she wasn't there, the so whole storyline wouldn't change. What, so, so what you're telling me is season five, Sansa's horrible, horrible adventures in Winterfell 
And then season six, the Battle of the Bastards was all about John and Sansa taking back their home. So Sansa is not a major part of the story. You're saying that you can replace Sansa and take her out and it would be fine? I'm saying compared to John or if you if you there's there's an upper tier of John, uh, Tyrion, Cersei, um, Jamie, Jamie, and um, I mean that's basically it. And then the next tier you've got people like Sansa, Littlefinger, Davos, you know people like that. Yes, they're important to the story, but they're not the main characters of the story. I mean about- nobody. What about you, Isis? You have you really, really want to chime in here? Okay. Well, first of all, I disagree. Um, I think that uh, Maisie Will M- Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner should be making very, very close to the top tier of what they're making, um, if not in the top tier. The show would not be the show it is now without either one of those actors, especially late in this season, in the late in these seasons that we have had. They have become really game players in um, in Game of Thrones. Whether you, you believe that or not, I don't really care. Well, Macy, have, Macy earned every bit of her, her money in season six. I mean, look what she went through. She had to wear those. Well, absolutely. Had- and then and Sophie Turner had way more screen time um, than she has had in the past, and it, and it has been – very important screen time. It wasn't like her just standing there or sitting there sipping wine or whatever the fuck she used to eating lemon cake. Um, <laughs> lemon it, it has cakes. been important scenes. It has been very, very important scenes. So, it, it scenes. So I think that you know characters like Maisie or Sophie absolutely deserve more money. Um, you know, to only have two characters who are making the top tier of the money. On Game of Thrones, I, I think it's ridiculous, especially the size of, you know, how many people are who are on the show. Right. Now, I understand that, you know, the show itself or the, the people who are on the top tier are not making as much as, you know, Big Bang Theory or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, it's just because how many episodes are being filmed, how many times they're in an episode. There might be times where, you know, you may not see my baby cinnamon roll, you know. In the entire episode, and he's one of the top tier actors. Right. So um, it's just one of those situations. But I absolutely feel like there should be some more actors in the um, top tier, and I feel like the ones that are in that top tier should help fight for them to go ahead and get equal pay. Awesome. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for for game for our Game of Thrones podcast. Take the black. Um, we've had some great discussions this episode. Um, it, make sure you, if you're listening to this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Brightcove, on the Winner is Coming uh, actual media player. You can download it, save it for later, listen to it when you're offline. Uh, so thanks for listening. For myself, for Annie, for Isis, for Corey Thone, and his stable boy, Corey Smith, this has been Take the Black, Valar Bogutis. <laughs>